Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and uh, who do I have with me here? What's up, guys? It's Devin here, also known as Paranoid Coder, back again. What's and, up, Mr. Mario? Oh, not a whole lot. As you can see, I'm for once, this is, I think, actually the first remote episode of Mod Chat that I've done, so I'm not in my uh, regular space. And for anybody who is just listening, uh, because of a few things, uh, good or bad, depending on how you look at them, whatever it is, um, but mostly good stuff nonetheless, I'm actually out of town, but we have been planning this. We were actually going to do an episode last week, but because of all the stuff that's been going on here, it worked better with my schedule if we did it this week. So, you know, regardless, we're still able to do an episode here and we're able to do it live. So I'm happy to bring this to you all. But if you all are seeing the change in background, yes, I am away right now. Hopefully this will be like the one time I do this. There might be other times it might happen, but we'll see what goes on. But aside from that, I'm doing pretty well. You know, I'm hanging out with Devin here. I've, I've been excited to do this episode. I think we have some really spicy topics and we might as well just call this Nintendo chat. So uh, Devin, how, how are you feeling? Dude, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm kind of bummed that you don't have a keyblade in the background. I know I have this like horrible hotel, like just like it's the most generic stuff. <laughs> They tried. They really did. They tried. They tried. Yeah, yeah. No, but I'm doing great. Uh, I'm really excited for this chat, obviously. I'm a huge Nintendo guy, so I don't mind a little bit of Nintendo in my news. Perfect. Perfect. So, you know, we can just go ahead. I think the best thing that we can do for this, honestly, is just get straight into these topics right here. And, um, you know, I've read quite a bit about this, um, but I guess the first one we want to address, which it's not the first one in the title here, but uh, I guess, Devin, would uh, you like to start off tonight? Yeah, there's a little <laughs> bit of drama. There's drama, drama alert. Oh, man, dude, yeah. We're a little so bit, it's Just warning, we're a little bit late on here, but that's because, God damn it, we do a monthly podcast, okay? Yeah, it's true, but um, it, I think it's still worth talking about. It's, it's something that I've actually, I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but I've never seen it firsthand in a community, um, and it, it's a real big bummer, but essentially we had a member of the community who was obviously trusted somewhat or had some kind of connections with people that had uh, exploits that hadn't been released yet, stuff that was mid-development, and... Uh, they decided to take it and use it for their own gain, really. Um, I mean, do you want to go into detail on exactly what they did with these exploits that they got a hold of? Sure. So I guess the best way we could really see it here, which I'm looking on this side screen at the moment. Um, so if I'm kind of looking away a little bit, forgive me on that. But essentially what ended up happening was there was a few exploits that could have brought, you know, software hacks and everything over to 11.4 and 11.5 on the 3DS, which at this time of recording um, is what well, 11.5 is the latest firmware on the 3DS family. Um, essentially what happened was there was a um, flip note, I believe it was a... Um, Flipnote Studio 3D exploit, um, and it was going to allow us to, you know, run Homebrew, and then of course, you know, give us a way to downgrade software-wise. Granted, this was also in kind of a time before NTR boot, which we will be bringing up here um, later into the episode. Um, so this is at the time where really the only options you had were um, a hard mod on the DS to on the 3DS to modify it, or you could uh, do a DSiWare transfer. If you didn't have either of those options, you were just stuck on stock 11.4 or 11.5. Um, so these were some exploits that were hidden and not even super well refined. They were still getting worked on and everything. Uh, but there was one person who, as Devin said, was trusted in the community. Uh, Pokey Acer is his name. Uh, but he ended up straight up stealing 
just straight up stealing a few exploits, and he turned them into Nintendo, and apparently his payout was $1,382. Uh, let's see. So, no, well, that was one of them, but looks like he got just over $3,000, so $3,430 uh, to, to screw some people out of homebrew, which some people are saying, they're just like, yeah, I wouldn't have taken that money, honestly. It's... It's a few thousand dollars. I mean, depending on where you're at, like a few thousand dollars is still good money. But the thing that I condemn completely is that he just straight up stole this work right here, which shouldn't be everyone just kind of trying to, you know, get rid of this guy, shun him, whatever it is. Uh, but from what I saw, I didn't know him personally by any means, but I think he might have had some bad history as well, too. And he was trusted again. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. No, uh, you're actually right. Um, kind of piggybacking off of what you said, it really is a shame. Um, a lot of companies have these bug bounty programs where they're actually looking for people to find these exploits, um, and they reward them with money, like you said. Uh, I don't think that these bug bounties are an inherent problem, and I don't think people submitting bugs to them is inherently bad, but he did steal it, and this wasn't his first time actually doing it. Um, how he got trusted after the first time I'm not sure. I really don't know his connections or who he was connected with, um, you know, before and after the first event. But he did get caught doing this once before, and he said, I'm sorry. It won't ever happen again. He made some public apology, and here we are. Um, so this, I mean, it's a real bummer. I mean, almost on, like, a kind of human level. It's like, come on, man. Like, people gave you a second chance. Then here you are again, and I believe he even like bought a MacBook with the the second payout really quickly. From what I understand, yeah, no, it was pretty premeditated. It was uh, he bought a Switch, he bought a few games, and he bought a MacBook. Which people were more pissed about the MacBook than the actual exploits being stolen because they're like, "Are you serious? You had all this money and you blew it on a MacBook?" Yeah, to each their own. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously. You know, yeah, yeah, this guy, you know, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, but I'm guessing he probably wasn't rolling in dough, and he, he probably was like 14, could 15 at the time, so oh, admittedly, that. yeah, no, he's, I think he's no older than 15, so even the thing I was telling people, because they're just like, yeah, you know, $3,000, it wasn't that much of a payout, I'm like, well, when you're at that age, just add another zero to it, like $3,000 as a 14 or 15 year old feels like $30,000. Yeah, no, I totally feel that. That's 100% true. Um, mm -hmm. If I was that age and I got that money, that would be, that'd be crazy life-changing. Um, well, MacBook and Switch changing right here, I guess. Yeah, no doubt. I really hope for the best that, you know, that this guy learns his lesson because this isn't, you know, if he's this young and actually doing this and it's like, dude, I hope well, for your sake that you, I'll you know. I'll straight up say this. I mean, the as you said, like, this guy was trusted with some stuff before and he had leaked it out or he did something similar to this. That was the first break. They should have just exiled him from the community completely. The fact that they trusted him again, that's kind of on the community's fault right there. I'll just straight up say that. So people don't want this to happen again. It's like, you know how you prevent this from happening again? You completely exile him. It doesn't matter if he apologizes or if he's really nice, or even if he develops something really, really awesome. Because I've also seen that as well, too, where developers, they'll do some shady shit, and then they'll do something awesome or like a few nice things, and they go back to doing, you know, their shysty shit again. Like, that's not cool. That should not be tolerated. 
So you're saying that somebody in the community or the community as a whole should have eviscerated him? What are you trying to say, Devin? No, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, do you not get the reference? It's okay. We can move on. Okay. 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 Sorry, I'm it's slightly okay. tired. So. <laughs> no, it's all good. I was trying to throw an Etika reference in there, but that's okay. Yeah, I, I enjoy Etika. I do. I'm not a diehard fan of his videos. Like, I haven't like followed him for a super long time. So, I I, I know the big memes. I'm I'm saying that ironically for anybody who gets mad at me for saying it. No, I'm saying ironically. Don't worry. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it's he's got some good stuff. He's got some good stuff. But yeah, I agree. He's a that, very entertaining character. I do agree that the community, you know, should have recognized or anyone. And like I said, I don't know who he had connections with. For all we know, he could have known somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody, and it could have been a chain of people that he got this exploit from. But all in all, it's it's a shame that we did lose a decent exploit. Um, even. Um, I, I don't even know technically how to pronounce his name. I'm going to guess Mr. NBA Yo. Yeah, uh, go, let's go ahead and try that. Yeah, Mr. NBA Yo. Uh, <laughs> he's released several exploits but in, in the past that uh, he himself has found uh, and developed or worked on. And he was even teasing on Twitter, um, what was it, on August 3rd. Um, Flipnote Studio 3D is really cool, as cool as the original one on DSi. And I remember... I remember thinking about that, and he shortly after posted, you need 200 platinum coins to get it. It's really easy to get those coins. It's really worth it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this was fully slated to be a, a something that the public was going to see and the public was going to you know, get to utilize, but, um, you know, not so much anymore. Um, do we know if it's actually been patched yet? Uh, I, I haven't followed up on that in particular. Um, I know that it's not going to be working on later firmers if anything was working on it at all. Regardless, now we do yeah. have stuff working on 11.5, so we're good on that um, from our Pwng hacks, which I'll go ahead. We had that as a kind of as a uh, news topic on here, but that's just kind of a quick thing on there, so you can get like uh, one of the RPG games. Do you know? Do you have the name off the top of your head? I think it was just RPG Maker. Okay, like RPG um, Maker, the player, or something like that, like the free version that you can grab. Right, right, right. So, uh, yeah, it, it was the RPG Maker um, player that was available for free in the eShop. Um, I believe you were able to scan or code or load some save file or something. Um, I'm not, I haven't tried it out for myself yet, but um, that came out re just recently. Yeah, it did. So. I guess uh, new topic. Sure, let's move on to the next one. Sure. So on this here, this is uh, this is definitely one I I was excited to talk about because I do have several things to say about it. And I'll say, as a consumer, I am extremely disappointed. So um, if you're watching here, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen on my end. But if you're looking here, um, this that we're looking at, it has been taken apart. It was purchased by someone, and this is the. Uh, HDMI to, well, no, the GameCube to HDMI plug-and-play adapter, and this is the version 2 build of it. Uh, now, the reason why this is so important is, um, let's kind of just backtrack a little bit and talk about uh, digital output and HDMI on the GameCube.
So for anybody that doesn't know, the GameCube was capable of component output, so it could go up to 480p. Uh, now, the reason why it has been so sought after is due to the fact that, yes, you can emulate, um, yes, you can play this on the Wii as well, uh, but, you know, some people want to play on the original system, and the Wii's component output is actually not as nice as the GameCube's component output. Uh, so some people might say, well, just get some component cables. They're five, six bucks. That's what it is. You can't do that. What, what Nintendo did is they actually ended up uh, putting a type of lockout chip and they end up building it into the cables themselves. And they didn't make that many cables either because component was not a popular standard during the sixth generation of game consoles. So therefore, GameCube component cables were never reverse engineered. Uh, there were never, well, I should kind of correct that. They have been reverse engineered, but they were never sold third party. So it's not like you can go out and buy a $20, $30 alternative. You can only buy the official Nintendo ones, which are long, long out of print, were not printed in very many numbers. And then on top of that, you're going to be paying a few hundred dollars for some of these cables, like anywhere from, I'd say on a good day, like two, $250 all the way up to $300, $400 sometimes. Um, they've definitely inflated in price. So people have tried to look for workarounds on here, uh, not only to get this working with component, but maybe even get HDMI working. And comes the issue of the GameCube itself. You have two types of GameCubes, one with digital out output and one without digital output. Um, and it's just a second port on there if you have digital output. So you have to have one of those GameCubes, which isn't too hard to find. Uh, and then there's been uh, plenty of homebrewed solutions such as GC Video, where, I mean, you have to open up the system, flash a board with GC Video, install it, and it's kind of this, it's a good but janky system all at the same time. And it is a pretty intense install, I'll say that. Um, which is why I never really looked into. I looked at it as like, that's not really worth it for me for what I'm looking for. Uh, so this is this was supposed to be the solution to all of our problems. Uh, it is selling for $100, and it is a component to, well, digital output um, to HDMI. So therefore, it's just this little box. You hook it up into the back of the GameCube, plug it into HDMI, then plug it into your monitor or your TV, whatever the hell you're using, and you're able to get straight up digital 480i or 480p signals out of there. Sounds great. What is the problem with it though? Is it that they're really expensive? No, it's it's $100, which is expensive, don't get me wrong, but it's not you know $400 expensive. Is it that they're not making that many? It's not really that either. There is one guy who's making them. The problem is these are actually frying people's consoles. With the way they are designed, um, they're a bit loose. They're kind of, as many people have said, a PCB sandwich, so to speak. And they're not properly insulated. They haven't been you know, fully tested. And there's a lot of people, this has been repeated over and over and over, a lot of people where they have their GameCube on and they just kind of nudge it a little bit and all of a sudden their GameCube stops working. And this device has been frying these GameCubes. Granted, the digital output only GameCubes are a bit harder to find than GameCubes that do not have digital output. And on top of that, you have this $100 device right here that is just zapping these consoles. Um, so one person who did a video was uh, Metal Jesus Rocks. He did a really stellar and glowing review of this product, which convinced a lot of people, even myself, to you know look after one. I'd looked into this, and when I confirmed that it was true, I was like, oh, I want to buy this. I actually signed up to buy one and everything. I did not buy one because then I started reading about this zapping a bunch of people's GameCubes. But 
one thing um, that I kind of want to talk about on here too is a lot of people were saying they, as soon as these reports came out, they're saying Metal Jesus Rocks is completely, he, he's responsible for this. It's his responsibility. It's all his fault. He needs to, uh, he should have known this is going to happen. He should have known he needed to report on this. And I'm going to disagree with that. The reason why I'm disagreeing with that is because he is not the person who is building it. He was not the tech behind it. Um, he is not going to be, of course, he is a technical person, but he's not going to be, you know, super crazy technical about all this. And for the most part, in his review, he really didn't have any issues with it. So when it came review time, he didn't have anything negative to report on it, and his GameCube was not zapped. But people in droves were attacking him over this and were saying that he needed to report about it. Well, what ended up happening was I ended up uh, retweeting this on Twitter, and I put Devin in it as well, too. But kind of a bittersweet thing right here. From Metal Jesus Rocks himself, this was today. Update. My GameCube got bumped at a party while powered on, and the HDMI adapter killed it. Warning, update vid coming next week. So as you can see, it's even happened to him, the biggest YouTuber who had reviewed this product right here. Uh this is definitely a big issue, and I guess I've talked for quite a bit at this, so Devin, I know you've researched this. Would you uh, like to take the reins on here a bit from what you've seen? Yeah, sure. No, it's it's pretty controversial, and it makes me reflect on uh, some you know, products that I've bought in the past, too, that um, may not have been 100% official. Uh, you know, In the past, things have worked out pretty well for me. I haven't had any issues like this, that's for sure. But uh, it definitely makes me think twice about purchasing some third-party, you know, add-on component or whatever to do something um, that the console wasn't originally supposed to do. The history behind this, it sounds like, was basically this just wasn't an experienced engineer or developer, really. Um, this was something that... You know, perhaps someone in their spare time in their basement uh, was able to get working without any r real knowledge on it. Um, and I think it's even reported that they were on forums asking how to program the board that they were going to be shipping. Um, yeah, no, I was, I was going to confirm that as well, too. Even like people who are making alternatives or people who had originally worked on, you know, the GC video project and such, they had called them out and they were saying like just seven or just nine months ago, you didn't know how to do any of this. You were asking for help to program the board, something very basic. So how the hell did you go from that to thinking that you're warranted selling these full time? Right. So he ended up getting it working, found someone potentially to mass produce these or, you know, uh, yeah, at a moderate scale. Himself. He's, he's building them all himself. And he has said, um, he said in the comment of Metal Jesus Rock's uh, review that he is doing this full time. I mean... I've never programmed boards. I'm not a hardware person like that. I mean, as you know, I'm deep into the software world. But, yeah, I mean, that sounds really error-prone. I would much rather give the designs and the specs to someone to actually print these boards. But mm -hmm. perhaps that's just me. But, yeah, I don't know. It sounds really problematic, and a lot of issues have arose from it. Um, and it sounds like Metal Jesus Rocks is trying his best to get a response out, but it really is a shame that he's gotten caught up in this whole entire thing because I think I think it could have happened to anyone. I don't think he had. I actually don't think he even had a response to the feedback on it until now, um, because from what I've seen, like I'm I'm a 
pretty big fan of Metal G's Rocks. I've enjoyed his content as well. So even I was kind of like keeping my eyes peeled, like, is he going to say anything? But no, from what I see, this is the first public thing he has said about it because it zapped his system. Right, yeah. No, and that's really telling, obviously. When you're caught up in a situation like that, it's hard to, you know... It's hard to figure out what to do if it's not happened to you. If you're not having any issues, things are going well, it's not like you can give a bad review of it. You can just go with what the community says and possibly not take any chances and you know let people know. But it sounds like this truly did um, affect his device, and now he's at a out of GameCube. Yeah, I'll say this. Um, even I know I'm looking them up right now on Badass Consoles. So uh, the guy who runs this, here's the thing. They have um, the GC video, and uh, they've been working on this now. They create, it's it's one guy, so I should say just one guy, but um, he has uh, he's worked on the GC video at minimum. I don't know if it's completely his baby and his project or not, but he has made PCBs. He is a bit of a perfectionist as well, too, so he really makes sure that everything is working properly. It's ready to mass produce and stuff, um, but he's working on a plug-and-play solution for the GC video, like a plug-and-play alternative. So if anybody's looking for something similar to this, I would say, although we've been waiting a long time hold on to your money wait for badass consoles to release something um if you're really that impatient i mean you can get a pre-modded gc video gamecube i guess if you want to do that i'm personally still going to wait on that plug and play option because that definitely appeals to me uh and, and i'm glad i waited on this as well too because as i said i i would have paid this guy gladly but then i found out i did some research i found out this is happening and this has been documented and as i said it's everyone's explaining it as a PCB sandwich. It's just kind of all stuffed in there, not properly done, obviously, because this is frying people's systems. But this is a big issue right there. It shouldn't be doing that. And the biggest issue I think we're seeing at hand is somebody who is passionate about what they're doing, but they're also inexperienced. They might have rushed the product, and they're trying to monetize it as well, too. Um, at the risk of not thoroughly testing it. They might have even known that this was going to be an issue. Or perhaps they didn't. I mean, there's a good possibility that they ran this on their console, but not having the... If they don't have the experience and they don't have the engineering and electrical background um, to know how these circuits work and that are going to affect other devices, it's possible you can make several hundred of these and you don't know what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, when you have hundreds of these PCB boards out there that are suddenly frying consoles, I mean, I'm not giving them any credit, but um, it's you know, it, it sounds like any of this could be the possibility at this point. Mm -hmm. I thought of this as well too. Even when I myself am working on um, consoles and such, because uh, the the common thing, the common conception here has been uh, it's very touchy. Uh, by that, like if you're if the system gets moved or knocked around a little bit, uh, the video could just cut out. Uh, but also, people are saying, yeah, no, the system is on and it just gets bumped a tiny bit and it ends up shorting. I myself, when I'm working on consoles, when I'm doing a modification, anything of the sort, and I'm testing everything, uh, I'm in a pretty like le legitimately stable environment. Like I'm making sure I'm not moving around the console; it's not rocking. I'm not trying to move it, so. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here. Maybe he just, he did test it. He verified it was working, but he didn't try and test it with the console moving, which even I myself, I, I wouldn't do that either. Sure. Yeah. I mean, 
when you're doing this. I mean, I guess it, I, I may perhaps it's a little different. No, I don't think I would shake something. I don't think I would just go out of my way to simulate that. Like, like I'm just imagining, like, Devin, imagine you're like flashing. Uh, like, let's say you're doing a hard mod to your 3DS, and as it's in the middle of flashing or something, you start shaking it up to test and make sure all the connections are proper. Right. I don't think I'd do that. But I do think this is a different situation, and not that you should have done that, but this isn't a hard mod to the console, right? This just plugs into the back. It's plug and play, right? Yes. So I would think that would have significantly less risk. You know, or, or aggressive shaking <laughs> or not. I think that I, I would think building this, that this would have a lot less risk. Um, mm -hmm. Perhaps that is really foolish of me, but I don't know. Um, I feel bad for all the parties here, um, to be honest. I feel bad for the people that have been spending their time making a really quality product. I feel bad for the people that are getting their uh, GameCubes fried, Metal Jesus Rocks. And I don't know this person directly, but I, you know, depending on his situation, I could feel bad for or him or her. You know, depending uh, you on... You mean by uh, Zelda Pro? Yes. Okay. Um, you know... We haven't said his name up until now, but for anybody listening correct. or just joining in, Zelda Pro is the person who is selling these uh, GameCube HDMI adapters. Right. So, um, you know, I hope that they didn't sell this knowing that this could happen. Um, I really hope I hope not. not either, but I think the other thing is, too, from what I was seeing, uh, they weren't really doing many warranty... They, they really weren't doing warranty work on this either. It was kind of like, oh, your system ended up getting fried. Uh, user error. Sorry, that's not really covered. Yeah, for someone doing this all out of their own, you know, home. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. You know, you you take you do take this risk a little bit when buying these third party products. Um, mm -hmm. It's something that you always think about. But like I said, I think I've just gotten lucky in the past, and things have gone well. Um, I, I would be pretty heartbroken if this happened to me. Absolutely. I'll, I'll also, I just want to interject this here because there's there's really good discussion going on in the chat. And if we're, you guys, don't worry, we do read it. It's just we get, we don't want to constantly, you know, uh, be uh, yelling out things that are in the chat and such. So we have our ebbs and flows here. Uh, but uh, James was asking, can the GameCube use RGB SCART? Uh, and I will say, uh, if you can't tell from where Dev and I are, uh, we're in the North American territory. And uh, so this is yes and no. Uh, yes. The European GameCubes, PAL GameCubes, can output an RGB SCART, which is fantastic. Like, great, um, great, great uh, output that you can get on there. Um, so if you're in the PAL territory, RGB SCART, that's the way to go. Uh, NTSCJ and NTSCU systems, the best quality we can get is component. Some people might say, well, just get an RGB SCART cable. That will not work, though. Uh, the NTSC GameCubes do RF composite S-Video component. They had RGB SCART removed from, like explicitly removed from them. So that's not even an option because I thought of that as well too. I have a frame meister. So I was thinking, oh, I could just get, you know, my Super Nintendo or N64 uh, RGB SCART cable and hook it up. Will not work. So you cannot do that, unfortunately. Uh, other people are saying, you know, you can get a PVM as well too, but Thing is with the PVM, those are big, those are heavy, those are four hundred dollars. And uh, even thinking about it now, because I, I thought of this as we were talking about it, if you were to try and get RGB SCART out of a GameCube uh, in the North American territory, you'd have to 
uh, either get you know a four hundred dollars solution, which would be either the Frame Meister or the um, or a PVM, because uh, they go for you know three to four hundred dollars. Uh, get your RGB SCART cables; those will be twenty dollars or so. Uh, get your GameCube, but then you'd also have to get. Um, I don't own one of these, but I believe it is a step down converter. Um, so it will go from two hundred. So you can use a two hundred twenty volt intended system in a one hundred ten volt environment. Uh, so that's a lot just to play a small little GameCube. Yeah, no doubt. Um, uh, you honestly know a lot more about this stuff than I do. Um, I definitely have some retro consoles, but I haven't hooked them up in a while. It's actually since I've had my current TV, I haven't played any old, you know, consoles. But um, yeah, uh, it sounds like there's a, several options, but nothing that's too elegant. It's you know, I I really hope the uh, did you say it was GC Video? Was that what the... GC Video, yes. That is the internal chip that you can install in a GameCube and then get oh, HDMI okay. out through that. Did you say that they, or Badass Consoles, were they involved with GC Video or was... Uh, yes, they are producing GC Video PCB boards. Okay. And you said that they might have an, a plug-and-play solution coming. They will be having an upcoming plug-and-play solution. It's going to take a while, but they will have one. Yeah, I mean, even regardless, it sounds like unless you really, really need to play right now, that's going to be more worth the wait than having these big clunky well, even if you do get solutions. One, yeah, even if you do get a plug and play right now, it's like, great, you're going to zap your system. Is it really worth it? Right. Um, and how much is it worth it? And I noticed that someone else in the in the chat here had mentioned that the cheapest way to you know, accomplish this is truly to actually buy a Wii, <laughs> which... At four hundred some odd dollars for this PBM, it sounds like a Wii would be more worth it at that point. You could probably buy a Wii and the whole setup for less than that. So, yeah, I, I'll say this: um, even when it comes to the Wii, like as I said, so kind of just going back here, and then I think this is the, the last point we can make on this too. Um, this really only if you're a true perfectionist. Um, for the average consumer, take a Wii, hook it up through Component, and play your GameCube games on there. That's going to look fine. You will get better output quality through a Component on an original GameCube, but that's really if if you have to have the top-tier best quality as well. But I'll also say this. like If you're going to be completely gunning after that, and you're saying, oh, I have to have the best quality. I have to have this. I'm a perfectionist. Like, I hope you have a professional setup as well, too. Like If you're just going to be hooking it up to you know a bottom-of-the-barrel Vizio, <laughs> no, you, you should have just stuck with the Wii. It would have been cheaper. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, anyways... Uh, well, fried GameCubes, gotta love them. You, uh, you want to take this next topic here? Mm -hmm. Tasty fried GameCubes. Delicious. <laughs> but yeah, sure. Um, so, we've talked about the Switch a couple times. We actually talked about the Switch the first time I came on. So, um, you and me are both fans of this. We're eagerly awaiting some juicy homebrew and hacking news. And it sounds like we might have something on the way, uh -oh. but it's been patched. Now, from what I gather, this was something that was known, but not public. Um, so some of the, I, I'm not gonna name names, because I'm not for sure, but some of the more uh, influential hackers in the community had this, uh, you know, 
in their sites. They're working on this. They're trying to exploit this. They're trying to get there. It's called SM Hacks, and it has been patched by Nintendo as of version 3.0.1. So if you are looking for some Switch hacks, if you're trying to be prepared, try and get your console below that, and uh, don't connect to Wi-Fi. Because, <laughs> like every other Nintendo console, that thing auto-updates. Or does it not? I guess I've been prompted a couple times to update. You get prompted. It doesn't auto-update, though. Right, yeah, no. That's right. Yeah. But um, it's so easy to update because it just says it, it right is. there in a nice little pop-up. It's like, yeah, I'm software update. You want to download it? Yeah, it I, is. Like, I, I remember, like, the first update I did. I hit update. It is like, your console will restart in three seconds. I'm like, wait, what? It's pleasantly <laughs> fast. Like, I actually enjoy updating. I, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was at work. <laughs> I'm, and, I'm assuming you're fully updated because you play online, right? Uh, well, I don't know if I have 3.0.1 because I've just been busy. Have you been um, online the past week? Probably not. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know how far ago it came out. I'm just saying the past yeah. week because I know for sure that it's, it's done that. I don't think I'm on the actual latest release, but um, I do play online. I do like it. I... Uh, you know, now that I'm older, now that I've got my own monies, even though I don't want to particularly spend the money for two Switches, I'd rather have a Switch that's updated that I'm not having to worry about and a Switch I, on the side if I get there, you know what I mean? No, I, I can agree with that as well, too. That's what my optimal setup would be as well. Right. So um, I understand that's not the case for everyone, so if you really do want some Switch hacks, I would highly recommend you stay on 3.0 and below, um, that's going to be, you know, we don't have anything for sure. We don't have any inside information. We don't know how soon, but if you are looking for some hacks, if you really want to, uh, be ready for it, uh, I would say that's where you want to be 3.0 and below. Yeah. Um, I'll leave it. Are you, are you familiar with the, uh, the hack itself though? Uh, well, I was going to say, I mean, as much as I can be, there's, there's, hasn't been anything that I've been able to test with, um, but I will read out, you know, and this will be linked, you know, after the show and such. Um, but wolo.net, they did an awesome write up on it. And um, this is actually from the Switch Brew, Switch Brew Wiki. Uh, but they said, quote, prior to 3.0.1, the service manager, that's where SM comes from, built in system module treats a user as though it has full permissions if the user creates a new SM port session but bypasses initialization. This is due to the other SM commands skipping the service ACL check for P PIDs, I believe that's it, uh, less than or equal to seven. Example, all kernel bundled modules. And that skipping the initialization command leaves the PID field uninitialized. Successful exploitation results in acquisition, registering, and unregistering of arbitrary services. So they right. even said right here, they as in Wolo was saying that, you know, if you couple this with a WebKit exploit, you can have full kernel access on here. Uh, several other people have hinted if you don't want to, if you want homebrew of some kind on your switch here soon, they said soon, that's all the ETA is. Um, don't update to 3.0.1. But I was impressed at how big this was. On top of that, um, I know other people were saying, like other people smarter than me in the community were saying that uh, Gateway 3DS was actually using a exploit very similar to this on the 3ds for a long time yep i heard that as well um but like you said um we still do need another piece of the you know puzzle here to actually get this to be a full working um exploit that uh, users can use this is really just privilege escalation um so 
it's 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 that second half. We got to get to this area to exploit this, and then we can actually get full kernel access. It sounds like, mm-hmm. um, but we do need a front end mm-hmm. user exploit. So whether that's in the form of uh, a WebKit exploit or a uh, a game save exploit, like we've also seen, um, we'll need something else as well. And I don't think there's any news on anything that you know we know exists right now. Um, I believe they're going to keep it under wraps until it's totally fleshed out and totally ready to go. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. But in general, this is really good news. And, um, you know, I can't remember what time frame I gave it, but I said, if I, I'm pretty sure I said we're going to see something significant, I think, within six months. Yeah, I'm thinking so. And um, we're, we're right about that mark, actually. I've been impressed at how much they've been able to reverse the system up until this point. Yeah, um, I for really have a lot of faith out, in like, the team. Yeah, for a system that came out just over five months ago, damn. Yeah, I mean, I really have faith in the team. They do a really good job. Um, they're already documenting a lot of stuff on, is it Switch Brew? Yes. Um, 3D, I think it was just 3D Brew was the uh, kind of like accompanying site for the 3DS. I don't think that, it was 3DS. That, that sounds Brew. about right. Switch Brew has definitely been for Switch, but obviously from the name. Right. Um, it is, it's 3dbrew.org. Um, that has been a really good resource uh, for you know, low-level documentation of the Switch, kernel exploits, uh, you know, past and new, all kinds of stuff. And they're really continuing that trend with Switch Brew. Um, so if you're interested in actually learning more about the, the console, there's a lot going on there. Go ahead and read it. Um, I still would like to dive a lot more into it. I spent some time uh, with this exploit. Uh, but, you know, it, it's really promising to see what they're doing here. Absolutely. Yeah. So even next up, I know, uh, well, for anybody who's not uh, who's not live here after this is pre-recorded and stuff or they're listening, um, Davin here, he was kind of hinting at this. But um, in short, downgrading will also not be possible on the Switch either because, uh, from what I understand, it uses e-fuses, right? Yeah, I mean... I won't say downgrading is not possible, but it's going to be trickier than ever. Um, and in reality, like you were alluding to, there basically are fuses that um, are triggered whenever the firmware changes. Um, mm-hmm. And I believe uh, there was a good distinction between kind of firmware and then, like, you know, the software updates that don't trigger this. So there have been two low-level firmware updates kind of in the bootloader area, the bootloader, the boot ROM, kind of those real low-level areas, the first stages of boot. Um, And that was from 1.0 to 2.0 and then 2.0 to 3.0. And both of those um, triggered the fuses. And I tried to find out more information on exactly what's happening to those because it's obviously not blowing the fuses. Um, but I did read that they technically have a limited lifespan. Um, well, I mean, they would still be blowing. Like, so when people think of a fuse blowing, they think of something literally blowing up, but it's really not that it's the fuse is changing its value from, let's say zero to one. Um, they do have limited lifespan, but honestly, the, 
considering if it's really doubtful that Nintendo would really blow through enough updates to go through all of the e-fuses on this system. Right, and they've only done two so far. Um, if your console has even gone through both update cycles, um, so any you know minor software releases like three point zero point one, for instance, did not change this at all. Uh, did not change any of the low level firmware, but downgrading for sure would. And it sounds like they actually have protections with these hardware fuses to prevent that entirely. Yeah. And that's pretty much what it is. So it's a go for process. I'm, I'm more familiar with e-fuses because of Samsung phones. I had to educate some people about it, which I then also learned from, you know, the Xbox 360 side of things. So shout out to that scene for it. Um, but the Xbox 360 did use that. They actually had fuses, like e-fuses built into the CPU and didn't start blowing them until about the 4000 series of kernel updates. Uh, because then there was a uh, a major exploit that was out. It was the King Kong exploit to run Linux. So at that point, Microsoft kind of said, you know what? We're just going to start blowing an e-fuse with every single dashboard update. So therefore, you cannot naturally downgrade. And that's kind of the fact of it as well, too. If you try and downgrade your system, you successfully get, you know, a lower NAND on there and you boot it up, it will then fail because it does not have, like, it. the e-fuse right there, it's blown for that series. And it's saying, you cannot run this on here. Right, right. So a literal hardware limitation. Um, I do think it sounded like uh, from the article that I was reading, there definitely was some theory in how to get around this. Um, they also, you know, very heavily stressed that this does not technically prevent homebrew. Um, you know, if we gain access to uh, user land or kernel at the current version we're on, it's not a problem at all. But we may have to get crafty with... Um, what we do. Uh, I don't know how this affects, you know, uh, MU NAND or Red NANDs either. Um, you know, it's all up to well, if, uh, if speculations now. Sure, yeah. Uh, but any kind of like redirected NAND, we don't know how that's going to affect fuses at all. Uh, so there's a lot of speculation, a lot. We don't know for sure what this means, other than that it makes it more difficult to downgrade. I mean, from what I'm seeing on here, um... I think we, we might even be looking a bit too far into it, but it looks sim it, to me kind of just from, again, the 360 side of things, looking at that, kind of applying this knowledge here, it just looks like, you know, if we have a exploit that comes out on firmware 3.0, for example, if you're on 4.0, you're not going to be able to downgrade um, just because that e-fuse issue right there. So it's only going to be forward updating with every major firmware um, as we said on here, but also as um, Devin was saying, you know, with firmware, go, going from firmware 1 to 2 or 2 to 3, those are going to blow the e-fuses, but going from firmware 3.0.0 to 3.0.1, if we understand this correctly here, that's not going to blow the e-fuses. So it's just with major firmware update revisions. Um, so it's going to just have to be on a system that hasn't been updated past that major firmware revision on there. Uh, when they did say this on here, this was um, like, I'll uh, I'll link this down below. This is a uh, Reddit thread where uh, Resin Matt, uh, Resonate, that's, uh, that's his name. This TV is just horrible for viewing on here. Um, but, you know, one of the points was, does that mean we can't downgrade ever? No, but it is difficult if an exploit is developed to break the chain of trust before the system software is decrypted and loaded its RAM, that it's fine. But it may be a compatibility issue. Essentially, your firmware is running at a higher version than the software, and the firmware is expecting things to happen from the software land. It may panic. Um, so I know the only 
thing with that. The only way that this has been really bypassed before is literally taking off the chip that contains the e-fuses from the board and replacing it with one that hasn't had those blown. And this is not just on here, but this has been, you know, on other systems and such. Yeah, I mean, uh, who knows? It's nice that we have some frame of references here, but I really think it's early days on this, and um, I think it's nothing to completely panic about. You know, we we have options. We, you know, don't even have any exploits actually public and usable yet, so the future's still really bright for the Switch. So <laughs> I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, though. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, if it's anything like the 360 scene, it's really not going to stop. It's just there's going to be certain limitations we're going to have on firmware versions that we have to be careful of, and that's really going to be about it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, you know what? If if this is the case, maybe this will maybe we won't have to go through the issue of down like on the 3ds how we had to do you know the downgrades from like 10.x to 9.x down to 4.5 to get so or no not 4.5 to 2.1. Maybe we just don't have to do those. Yeah, super crazy updates and down dates. Yeah, I mean, it, it could definitely push us uh, to go ahead and get to the good stuff mm -hmm. earlier. Um, you know, maybe something like NTR boot hacks. That'd be interesting. I, I like I like your segue on there. You wanna? I mean, with that, you wanna uh, take control of that there? Sure. Uh, we've had some really good recent developments with the 3ds. Um, Boot uh, Boot Nine Strap was an amazing achievement, and honestly, a lot of people were thinking that was like close to it. Like we've done it, we busted it wide open. Where do we go from here? Except magnet hacks. Magnet hacks. I, I magnet love, hacks. I love real magnet thing. Hacks. I did not believe you, honestly. The first time you had notified me about this, I was like, <laughs> I see what you're you're going with here and i see why you think this could be real but i don't know turns out they were really onto something yeah i remember you were even trying to prove to me too how it wasn't real um yeah well i mean i i remember the video that you showed me initially could have been easily faked was my only thing like i just had a lot of speculation um mm -hmm. obviously i think anything's possible i've seen the craziest things you know pandora battery alone was like enough for me to be like okay Anything is possible in the modding world. Like we have no idea what these manufacturers can do. Yeah, but we're, we're flashing bad magnets. Like, yeah. <laughs> Fucking yeah, magnets. No doubt. How do they work? Yeah. So essentially, uh, the 3DS has a mode that it can boot into. That it's essentially triggered through the 3DS detecting that it's in sleep mode with the lid closed because the casing has magnets in it, and that's kind of essentially why the magnet's necessary, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the good old 3DS guide at 3ds.guide has been updated for all of this. Um, if you want to check it out, it's 3ds.guide slash ntrboot.html. And or just go to 3ds.guide and follow the guide. Yeah, sure. I mean, definitely from start to finish is always good. Always follow the guide step by step. Don't miss a step. Follow the guide. But it essentially involves actually flashing a flash cart, I believe. And you use your magnet of choice to boot it into this particular, uh, uh, particular kind of 
I guess not really a recovery mode, but you know, it's kind of an alternative portion of the firmware. Yeah, it's a. It was essentially a backdoor that Nintendo had left in its operating system, and what this backdoor did was uh, the reason why we're mentioning this here. It has, in short, it has like this mode where if your system is in sleep mode, so otherwise, if you know, if you have a typical 3ds, if the case is closed, but you boot it up while the case is closed while holding down a special button combination stock unmodified system it will try like at its first opportunity when it first boots up it will attempt to read some code off of a not a 3ds card a original ds card which is why it's called ntr boot hacks which that was just like mind-blowing to me that that was in there yeah no it is really interesting um and it's probably because it was uh designed in the early days of the 3ds and Nintendo DS cards were probably readily available for all the Nintendo uh, employees and developers, but it is quite peculiar. Um, so you essentially flash the cart with the firmware, and um, I believe you put a .nds file on it, and you can boot an installer to install Boot Nine Strap. Yep, you have to have it flash with a certain like a certain firmware and all that, but that's easy enough to do on there. Um, I just want to say the real admiration for Boot 9 Strap. I mean, it has completely ripped the system apart. Uh, but we were able to discover things like this, like two notable discoveries, not only this secret boot chain where somebody just, they were going through it because Boot 9 Strap, as I said, completely ripped the system apart. That's why they said it was in-game for the 3DS. We were able to find this because of Boot 9 Strap. But on top of that, um, Devin, do you remember when we had to, when we still had to get the otp.bin file, so the one-time programmable file. Um, at one point, there was a way where you could obtain the OTP file without having to downgrade. Yeah, or, I remember actually, something about actually, that. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I'm, I'm skipping out on that. Excuse me. There was, at one point, you could install ARM9 loader hacks without the otp.bin file. Right. That sounds more appropriate. Yes. Yeah. Do, do you remember that being a thing briefly? Yeah. So... I did that one time on, on my new 3DS. It was fine, but it was quickly removed from the guide. The reason being is that there were a ton of people, a good amount of people there. I was kind of overstating it, but there were a good amount of people that were saying, I just bricked my 3DS by following the guide. And of course, people were saying you didn't follow it properly. You didn't do this step. But the thing that everyone had in common was they were doing the OTP list version of this. Um, and we were even able to discover through Boot 9 Strap that. I don't have the, and unfortunately, it's kind of not going to be the best, you know, way to end this here. Not, not, not the podcast, but just the story here. Uh, but in short, because of Boot Nine Strap, they were able to look into it and trace it, and they were able to figure out why exactly the OTP list version of this was breaking systems. Oh wow, that's fascinating. I had not heard about that actually. Yeah, yeah, no. So they said they're like, even when it came out, it's like, well, guys, we have Boot Nine Strap. You're probably not going to brick your 3DS installing this. Um, we're not doing online loader hacks anymore. We don't need OTP.bin. But we've at least discovered the mystery, so that's cool. It was it was like the Jack the Ripper of the 3DS scene. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm definitely glad that we're here now. We don't have to deal with OTPs. We don't have to deal with OTP lists. We're in a really good place with the 3DS. It's it's oh, It's an amazing time. Honestly, if you have a 3DS now and you're wanting to get into the modding scene, I've been saying this for a while, but it just couldn't be better. 
That's true. Also, before this goes away, I just want to, because I don't want to be ignored, shout, shout out to uh, the Mod Shop, and thank you very much for your donation. It is extremely appreciated and will definitely help out the channel and Mod Chat. Yeah, no, definitely. It's much appreciated. Thank you very much, man. Yeah. But yeah, no, when it uh, when it comes down to this, no, even so, I because uh, prior to this, I'd actually, in the past month or so, I had done three DSI were transfers for people. And that itself, I mean, that's an, that's an old type of exploit, but that was fascinating to do as well too. And it just cracked me up with the way you would do it. I also did it to a new 2DS Excel, which I'll say kind of going on a tangent here, but uh, I wish the new 2DS Excel came out a few years ago and I would have bought it. As soon as that came out, I saw a lot of people giving it some flack uh, online, but I, I immediately was like, Oh, I was all about it. As soon as I saw it, I was like, you really didn't need to come out with another one. But if I was in the market, that's what I would get. I don't use a 3D at all. It looks nicer to me, actually. And it's not got a glossy casing, which if you know me, I do not like glossy any tech. I, it, it just gets scratched. I'd much rather have matte or, you know, you know, plastic everything, to be honest. Um, so it, it looks really nice, and I'm glad to hear that it got, you know, hacked pretty quickly. Yeah. No, it's been... Um, it. Well, I mean, it was since it's still running on the same 3DS firmware and the whole family, it was um, it was fine working with that. Uh, but no, I did do a DSiWare... Excuse me, I did do a DSiWare transfer on it, I think probably one or two days after it was released, and it worked out just fine uh the nice thing is too i didn't i only had like one or two pictures of it um just me like you know doing the modifications such but the the thing that just made me smile is that you can remove the micro sd card without having to carry around a fucking screwdriver do you know how nice that is well i mean i guess i just left my 3ds backplate unscrewed for <laughs> do that its entire well too, life that's not something that it's... i should do no, but not, I, not even as a consumer, that's not something that we're supposed to do. Like that shouldn't be a thing. No, I, and I agree, but I, I get Nintendo's point of view too, because in all reality, it's like, it's like Apple making it so you can't sw swap out the Ram on a computer. Like some people are going to like want to swap out the Ram in their laptop. But the reality is that the majority of the people that buy it don't, they don't want to open it. They don't want to care. They just want it to work. They do something once, and that's it. So I get the idea. I really found it more um, more. I, I found it odd that they actually put it back because I felt like that aided the modders more than anybody. <laughs> and I found it even stranger because I there's there's another reason why they could put it under the the backplate, and that's so kids don't eject the memory card while the system's running, potentially causing some data loss. Um, right. So that was another reason why I saw that was pretty obvious with little children using this. That's something that they could easily do, just messing around, clicking it. And then, especially if they have their game running off the card, you've just totally crashed your game. And it's like, you know, it's not something that anyone needs to be swapping out frequently. So I'm glad it's back, to be honest. But I know I'm not the normal, you know, customer for that. Right, right. You're, well, you're saying like you're glad that it's easily accessible again by saying it's back. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm glad it's like not under some screw and a black backplate. Um, but I know it's for reasons that don't really make sense from Nintendo's perspective. Right. I just think the form factor was really nice. I mean, it was comfortable, it worked out, and like I use I use my new 3DS Excel as a new 2DS Excel. I rarely ever turn on the 3D on that thing. Right. How did you feel about the like the screen and the the kind of glossy uh, bezels? Because it kind of looks like a smartphone. That's the only thing that yeah, I thought no, was, that was a little thing. odd. It looked like an eye device of some kind. Like it looked nice. Now that I was handling all this indoors, if you're outside though, um, that'd probably be a bit of an issue with you know like glares and all that stuff. So I didn't use it extensively. As I said, I just use it to kind of observe it, check it out, and modify it. Right. No. Um. That was the only thing that I thought was a little odd, but you know nothing that would be a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. But it's awesome that you got your hands on one. I haven't actually seen one in person yet. Well, it wasn't mine. I just, I was modding it for someone, but yeah, no, it was really nice to have it in person. As I said, it was like, it was no more than two days after it was released in the U S it's awesome. Yeah. Fun times. Anyways, I think we have uh, we have one more topic that we can cover and then uh, do you want to go to user interaction after that? Yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. Sounds good. So guys, what we're going to do, there's one more topic that we're going to discuss a little bit here, and then we'll answer your questions for about 20, 30 minutes or so. Uh, for anybody who's watching this pre-recorded or listening to the MP3 available of it, uh, if you're available here during the uh, actual live stream, this is what we do just near the end of it. Um, so if you're available during the live stream, awesome. You can get some questions possibly answered. And if you're in here right now, uh, go ahead, drop a few questions, and we will do our best to get to them. Um, but the last thing, which I think would be a good way to wrap this up, is uh, the Wii U got an update that we talked about last episode, didn't we? Oh, maybe. It's been so long, man. I believe it's, <laughs> it's that been was, a long that month. was the first episode that you were on. Um, but no, it's it got uh, mod like it got updated to five point five point two. Uh, but now at this point, just a little short and sweet update. Um, now you can also modify your Wii U again on five point five point two. Uh, you could use, I guess, Devin, do you know a bit more about this exploit on here? Uh, I know a little bit. Uh, it doesn't sound like the most stable thing. It sounds like there's been a few improvements on it, but it is a WebKit exploit. Um, it involves going to a browser, or I mean, a, URL, a specific URL that uh, leverages the exploit and launches um, some files that are on your SD card. So that's something totally out of the ordinary um, from what we've seen in the past, but... Yeah, it, it seems to be a working exploit. It seems to be pretty reliable. Um, when I initially saw this, uh, the first forum thread that had some information about it, I wondered whether this was going to be something that was going to actually uh, kind of make it to prime time. But it's on the you know official quote unquote Wii U guide, and uh, seems like we're making some improvements, and it fits right into the. Uh, the flow of how we were exploiting the Wii before anyway. So it sounds like 5.5.2 is, you know, up and running. Modable. Done. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know if there's a whole lot more. Gosh, yeah, I think everything, I mean, everything is going to be compatible on there as well too. So there's no like cross compatibility issues or stuff that's going to work on from what I understand, on 5.5.1, that's not going to work on 5.5.2 because the kernel exploit was still the same on it. It's just the entry point, the initial entry point was patched up. But yeah, from what I see, the only difference is really just the delivery method, which would be you know from the website that you're going on to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
and we even mentioned that the last time uh, that we had a show was that it was we were very well aware that kernel access was still available as long as we had a a reliable entry point. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that me and you haven't talked about is what happened to Crunchyroll. Uh, Webax, as we were, I think, calling it, or other people had nicknamed it. I don't know. I did download Crunchyroll, and I did download the update for it, but I don't know what happened with that. I'm sure that's still going to come up and be a thing. I really hope that it's still uh, viable. I really hope that, you know, perhaps we'll see it in the come up after another Wii U update, if that even happens. Um, I really doubt there's going to be another. Uh, wasn't it a while ago that it was rumored? I think, well, I think all, like DevKit's got a 5.6 update or something. Ooh, I'm not sure. I had not heard. I think I'd seen that a while ago that they got an update or there was a rumored 5.6 update that was coming out. And then months and months and months later, we got 5.5.2, which really just the, the, the customer-facing thing was they just wanted to deprecate Meverse on there. Right. Um yeah, no, I had not heard, but yeah, I don't know. I could, the only way I could see that happening is if they came in with like another, like a, a full, uh, you know, patching the kernel exploits in the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly this was like five point five point two was like a quick hit to stop you know new people from exploiting it, and then they have another exploit lined up. I don't know, but. That's the only thing I could possibly see. It's a lot of money and a lot of time to invest in a console that they've obviously moved on from. Yeah, like they're they're not going to focus on that anymore at this point. Like, there's no, there's really not much of a reason for them to, especially since they're really not selling it officially in stores. They're not going to be supporting it as much. As I said, the main customer facing thing here was Meverse, but when it came to patching exploits, it was really half assed. Um, there were three major things we talked about in the last episode, and only one of them was patched up, which was the entry point, which is like, great, the big exploits are still there. We just need to find another entry point. Right. Um, obviously, they've expressed a lot more interest in continuing the 3DS line. They've got some new games coming out. They keep talking about it. Obviously, the new 2DS XL came out. So I won't be too surprised if they continue to work on that. But I do agree, if they make another update for the Wii U, I will be... A little bit shocked mm-hmm. but in the same, same note here. the more exploits the merrier the more exploits the merrier i can agree with that oh boy on here i guess uh you want to take some questions before we sign I think off? it's fine time for that all right so i guess kind of uh going here this is directed more towards me i don't want to go into this because i can rant for like 20 minutes about it but why do you hate the ps3 i remember you saying this in your xbox 360 retrospective vid I have several, well, in short, I have several videos talking about my distaste with PS3, so I'd recommend checking those out. Maybe they'd be fun listens. Um, Really, I just didn't like the direction they were going with. uh, Sony was coming out with their big dick swinging and everything. They were overcharging for the system. Um, They felt like they could do whatever they wanted to on there. Uh, They removed other OS. They were removing features that people were actually wanting to use on there, originally telling it as an open and free system that you could do whatever the hell you want to on this, but they started backpedaling on a few things. Uh, End up splitting the RAM, so the thing was just abysmally slow uh, when it came to doing anything in the XMB, anything with the network, whatever it was. the Wi-Fi card, I had so many issues with it on there. I just, I had so many issues with the system just being slow overall. Um, 
I'm more of a Sony person when it comes to generations, like console generation stuff. And I tell people that the PS3, uh, that was the first time in a console generation where the Sony system was not my favorite system. Uh, of course, the PS4 is a lot more powerful, but like the user experience I get on that, uh, the PS4 to me is what the PS3 was supposed to be. Just, you know, seventh gen power instead of eighth gen power. It is good that I think they made a comeback. Um, you know, at least as far as you're regarded. <laughs> but um, I do agree with most of your statements. I haven't ever owned a PS3 or a PS4. Um, I've kind of fallen out of the console game, aside from uh, some Nintendo stuff as of late. But um, it really did disappoint me when um, they were cracking down on other OS and all that stuff. Uh, I didn't even know it existed until they started removing it, so <laughs> that was a big bummer for me. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Who knows? It would be interesting to see how the console market would uh, would be today if they left some of those features in. I think it's the this this could be a whole other discussion, but I, I honestly think it is the the curse of the third console. Have you ever heard of that? No. Take any company and look at their third console. Their third console, they fuck up everything. Hmm. Okay. So, like, for Would example, that be Nintendo 64? The N64, I mean, that didn't, even though it is a very nostalgic and classic system, like, I enjoy it. It didn't but sell well. It didn't sell well compared to other mainstay systems. It used cartridges when people wanted to go more for optical discs. It did cost a bit. Uh, it was hard to develop for. Um, some the architecture is, like, yeah. ridiculous. Super outdated and just very strange. That's why... Nintendo 64 emulation is always so crappy on, on consoles and stuff. And that's why Nintendo 64, they kind of have to focus per game. So that's why you'll have some games like Super Mario 64, Smash Bros. They work perfectly or nearly perfectly in an emulator. Then you can take, you know, hey, I like this really obscure childhood game when I was a kid. Super Mario 64 works perfectly. Let me try this out. Doesn't boot. Right. And that goes into kind of a different discussion with emulators, which we won't get too far into, but some emulators are developed... Um, with emulating the features of the system as best as possible, and other emulators have developed to play specific games as good as possible. <laughs> and the Nintendo 64 falls into the latter category, where it's so obscure that they decided to really focus on Super Mario 64, Smash Bros., uh, you know, Mario Kart, those big, big titles that people are really going to want to play and optimize those a ton and then you get other titles that should play fine that just are, you know, unusable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, th this could be at one point, th this would be a great discussion, not not at this episode, maybe for something else. Um, but no, as I said, just get, even you guys listening, just think of, you know, your favorite game company, think of their third system and compare it to the other ones. Uh, one of my favorites is actually being um, Sega. Because some people, they debate what their third system was. Some people say it was the Sega CD. Some people say it was 32X. Some people say it's the Saturn. I believe it's the Saturn, regardless of what you pick for the third system, all of them got fucked. But I, the Sega CD was so nice. It could, like, there were some games that were done properly, like Sonic CD, for example. Yeah, um, that's the one I always go back to. The problem was, the Sega introduced, it's like, you can have full motion video. And then a game company said, hey, we can make entire games out of full motion video. And so Sega's like, no, 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 no. It's supposed to be an enhancement. It's not supposed to be the entire game. Stop it. What are you doing? 
I actually remember a very cringeworthy like sewer game. Sewer shark. Sewer shark. That might have been it. Yeah, yeah, that kind of <laughs> it seemed like it was following that uh that pattern. It it was it was pretty cringeworthy. But no, that's a really interesting uh that's a really interesting observation there. I'll have to keep that in mind. And yeah. Interesting. Remember the third console curse. Third console curse. It's Anyways, got a ring to it. Does. Anyways, uh, we got a question for both of us on here. But uh, when is the next mod chat plus with the new host? Hey, so, we talked about this earlier. <laughs> we did, right? Like ten minutes before the podcast, we talked about this. Yeah, no, uh, I don't think it's out of the cards. I don't know if we have a time frame. Obviously, this is uh, fresh in our minds as of you know a couple hours ago. But I think we're both pretty interested in it. Um, I don't know. Do you think that you'd be down? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd absolutely be down. It's just it's always the time frame of it as well too. Um, we just have to get it sorted and everything. We just sync up and see when it's going to be. Um, it's not going to be this month. I'll tell you. Next month, maybe, maybe not. I don't want to make any false promises on there. My my priority is always mod chat one episode a month, um, which only. Uh, this is with Daniel, not with you, but there was only one month we were not able to do an episode for a few reasons. Um, I think both of us were just like, our schedules could not sync at all, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, no, we are definitely wanting to bring it back. And I also uh, kind of want to just bring this up, but seriously, everybody, just like everybody listening, watching, whether you're here, whether you're watching the pre-recorded version, whether you're listening to it on your phone or whatever the hell it is, I've been truly impressed with this. And I just want to say thank you for being really awesome with Devin, the new host here. Um, it was not easy for me to change up hosts and, you know, to kind of, you know, bring this up with Daniel and then approach Devin about it. But we'd had Devin as a temporary co-host. We had him as a guest. People liked him. And I will say it, this episode and even the last episode included, whether it was, you know, the post pre-recorded chats or, um, you know, the live chat I'm seeing right now, there was not one negative comment about this. Maybe the, the only question like when i explained the situation the only question was like at one one point one person came in they're like who's that guy with the glasses and like moderators you all are awesome for this as well too shout out to the moderators because they don't get enough love on here but they just like quickly went in and they just informed this guy new host and they said okay that's it but Devin, thank you for joining the mod chat team it's been appreciated and to everybody who's listening watching and are fans of it seriously thank you so much for just you know being so awesome with the host change here yeah, no, man. I mean, thank you. And thank you to all the moderators, all the people in the chat. I've uh, felt nothing but love from you guys. Um, it's been a really fun time. Obviously, we had talked, and I think we've even mentioned this, you know, um, I've been listening to podcasts and following uh, YouTube content like this for a long time. And this is something that I've always thought about and kind of, uh, I guess, fantasized about a bit. Like, man, it would be cool to be that kind of voice or to be a voice. Um, me and you have talked and obviously I've got way more opinions than I should. So uh, it's been a blast. And I, you know, I definitely feel the love from all the people out there and I'm really excited for the future episodes. So thank you guys. And I do hope that uh, in the future I'll be, you know, hanging around more, especially in the discord and stuff like that. Uh, and I'm obviously gonna be on here you know, hopefully we won't miss a beat either. Hopefully we'll hit this every month. Yes, hopefully so. 
Oh, and last thing on here, um, the same guy, XE, who was asking, so when is, uh, I don't know if you were in this, if you would join this conversation ever. Uh, Devin, when is the Mod Chat movie? The Mod Chat movie? Oh, man. Oh, geez. We're going we're gonna to have to talk offline about that. I mean, I didn't think that was public yet. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, that. No. That's that's been a that, that's gonna be a fan service um, if and when it does come out. So whenever it comes, like if one day you see Mod Chat movie in your subscription box and people are just like, "Who asked for this?" The fans asked for it. So thank you. Hey, hey, that's that's going on the paid sub channel though, right? Got to make the monies <laughs> for that one. I'm not. I'm not doing that, man. Now. No, for real. There's there's been some YouTubers. So, some YouTubers actually we both mutually like the Hodge twins. They just had a paid subscription channel. And I even I tweeted a little bit about this. I was like, I don't think I'm gonna do a paid subscription channel. Like I'm I'm good. Th thankfully, since I don't have YouTube as a full time job, whenever if the ad revenue is really good, awesome. If it completely drops, I'm like, oh, okay. That that kind of sucks, but okay. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think I'm gonna do that either. And in a weird way, I don't know, maybe you tell me if you feel similar or not. I do feel like I'd rather pay. I'm going to pay for content like that for someone that I've really liked and I watch uh, for free. I'd rather do something like Patreon. I'd yeah. rather not do it through YouTube. I'd rather like, and I know they don't get all the money from Patreon. And I don't know what, which one actually takes more or less money. But I'd rather do it through a service independent of YouTube. Um, for if there's, I've never done a paid subscription channel, so I don't know, but if it helps at all to gauge it, and I don't know if this is the same rates, but I know at least with donations that come on here, just full disclosure, this is public anyways, but for donations that come in through uh, the fan chat on here and stuff like for, I don't know what it's called, but like super chat, um, YouTube does take 30% of the revenue on there. 30%, yeah. And that seems to be typical in a lot of the industry with, uh, app development when I was uh, actually releasing apps uh, it was 30% that okay. Apple would take from the cut so I don't know if that's changed I haven't released uh, anything publicly in a long time so uh, but that seems to be kind of a standard rate for uh, content these days gotcha let's see grabbing a well actually you you got exasperated as well too do you want to grab a few questions here yeah, I'm taking a look right now. Let's see. Do you have anything uh, that stood out to you? Uh, let's see. Well, one of them was uh, somebody was asking me, well, by chip, like how long it took me to install a mod chip in a PS2. I think probably within an hour I had that installed, debugging maybe within two hours. But it was with it. It was no more than a couple hours, I would say. Those things are slightly annoying to install, too. It wasn't as bad as I thought, but it was just lots of cables in a very tiny enclosed space. You are, I mean, you are a bit of a veteran, though, I feel like. Well, thank you. But I'm sure you still take it slow and steady, as you should. I do. Well, not very steady. Like, this is actually, I don't, yeah, I know you can kind of see it on camera here. So my hands naturally shake, which I've been very upfront about. And some people try to make fun of me for that. I'm like, I used to be self-conscious about it when I was in, like, high school. Now it doesn't bug me, because actually soldering really helped out. My hands don't shake as much now, but when people see videos where it's like, my hands like really shaking like this. Now I'm actually mm. trying, but if it's like really shaking, it's like, well, one, when you're recording on camera, because if I'm just like directly soldering, it's much better. But if I have the camera right here and all this other stuff, I'm like literally just like soldering like this at really weird angles that makes the shaking a lot worse. Um, 
but then on top of that as well too i'm just like well i can solder and get things to work properly so i don't really see my shaky hands as an issue because i've been able to do many different mods yeah i mean obviously that's the most important um yeah i've never really noticed i don't think i have the most steady but i don't think i have the shakiest of hands you've probably done a decent bit more uh, soldering than i have well i guess i did do a lot when i repaired phones mm -hmm. different kind of soldering yeah so, uh, so james is uh james is saying he's still waiting for the mixtape yeah that was another thing that was talked about as well too we'll, we'll have to see there's just mod chat everything mod tape mod tape it's <laughs> a good one <laughs> uh let's see there's um one thing i'm seeing here so razor's asking uh would you consider doing a video of a ps2 internal hdmi mod using a ps2 to hdmi stick no um i'm good honestly uh i've seen uh like i i think i owned a ps2 to hdmi adapter for a bit and then just returned it because i didn't use it i felt like it was a bit overpriced kind of janky for what it was and also honestly you're going to be ripping the exact same signal out of there um, there's really not going to be a difference in video quality. Um, so if I do get one, it would just be more for convenience, but I'm not going to do an internal mod on it. Mr. D money here is asking, would you consider doing a retro mod chat that talked about past hacks from more classic consoles? And namely he made, he seems to like name stuff that's no newer than like Sega Dreamcast. It looks like, um, mm -hmm. personally, I think that would be really fun. If it was on a regular mod chat cadence, I feel like, I don't know, we don't usually have a shortage of things to talk about, so. I think it would be, it'd be different to talk about that. Um, I'm not fully opposed to it, I just don't see really how it would fit into the ecosystem as much. Um, on Now, Devin's not a um, content creator on here. Um, if I do something on a retro system, I'll normally just cover it myself like make an individual video about it uh but when it comes down to that uh we've talked about retro systems on here um Devin, i don't know if you've been in any of the episodes but like daniel and i had talked about you know retro mods that come out you know for sega saturn or um some games on like the sega dreamcast and such so that's definitely not something that we skirt around um if there's modding news that we find interesting we do talk about it and there's things happening to these systems in 2017 still Oh, yeah. No, I'm not opposed to talking about new developments, but um, I'm also not opposed. You know, we mentioned a mod, uh, mod chat plus if we went over some of our, you know, favorite hacks from, you know, old consoles, that's probably a, a place for that, too. Um, you know, yeah. and for, I definitely for any... oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that um, I definitely have some stuff that, you know, is really nostalgic for me, especially on the P uh, the PSP, which isn't quite as old as uh, what Mr. D Money was mentioning. But, uh, you know, I definitely have a lot of nostalgia for some of these older things, and I would love to talk about them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think actually it's, um, the, this even works out here because you mentioned the uh, the PSP. I just kind of smiled a bit at this. But uh, are you ever going to do some handheld mods, especially Game Boy mods? I, I don't know, Devin, have, have we done handheld mods? I don't know. A couple. <laughs> just a few but yeah no uh psp was both of our probably one of our favorite modding scenes i would say um i think i can speak for you 
and I, that it was. I would definitely say so. It wasn't my gateway, but it was definitely where I really just fell into love with modding, specifically with oh, PSP. Yeah. Same. My first uh, was the original Xbox. Uh, soft modding was, uh, I think it was Splinter Cell. Um, but I thought PSP, you had the, uh, the solderless chip that you guys installed. That's a long story. See, okay. This okay. When I was in junior high, well, it's not a long story. I was in junior high, and my dad was pretty hyped about it, and he uh, installed it while I was at school. So I was like, I was, I was eager to get off school. I was wanted to go home and start, uh, start modding Halo, start, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. And uh, he picks me up. And he's like, I fried it, and I fried the whole Xbox. Like, <laughs> 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 and I was just like, what? And uh, yeah, he had some issue. Uh, he was either installing the wrong firmware or, or was having issues installing the firmware to the chip, and uh, it just completely fried the whole thing. Um, and then we ended up getting another one pretty soon after, and I convinced, pretty easily, I convinced my dad to let me try to do it with Splinter Cell. And uh, it worked out, and the rest is history. I, uh, I know one person, shout out this guy, uh, Dark Gabs, who's in my Discord, which if you want to join the Mr. Mario Discord, it's down below in the description on YouTube here. Uh, we do have some, some fun times there. But uh, I know he had, he might have talked about this a bit in there, um, but he had messaged me, and he's pretty into the original Xbox modding, like, even now. And he ended up, like, he had an Xbox, and I don't remember if he T-Sopped it, but he installed a a mod chip in there, like a cheaper mod chip. He popped it in and it was working. Then he ended up tracking down a smart XX mod chip and he even recorded it. Like he recorded his install and everything. And he, you know, took out the old mod chip, put in the smart XX, had everything working. Like the thing worked. Um, I don't know what he did, but right at the end, like he was about to put every, I think he started putting things together and the whole system shorted or didn't short, but it, it damaged it enough where he said that the system just turns on and it frags, and he thinks there was a short that happened somewhere, but literally everything was done, and then dead Xbox. That is a bummer. That's a bummer. Did I... I don't know if I ever told you about when I modified... This wasn't nearly as serious, but when I tried to modify a Pandora battery myself uh, doing the hard mod... You did not. So you know about that, right? It, it involved actually like disconnecting... Uh, it wasn't really a pin. But I think it was. It was. Like no, it's you had to like open up and pull a pin out of there. The original so, batteries. Right, and so I was a young kid. I was like thirteen years old or something. Didn't have a lot of money, and I saved up my pennies to get a spare battery because I obviously couldn't do that to my only battery in the PSP. And um, I was uh, cutting the casing of the battery open. And I was pretty much all the way there. And I no, I didn't have any proof that I didn't break it. But I remember it was like there was a small piece of plastic still holding it together. And I was like, oh, and I tried to pull it. And I was like, oh, and I tried to like cut away at it a little bit more. And I was like, oh, and then I tried to give it one more pull. And it like broke the little chip, like PCB, like ripped it off the, the, the connection to the actual battery. You know what I mean? And so I'm just sitting here like at the very end. It would have been so easy to just cut the little pin and I just wasted like 40, 45 bucks on a battery. They were expensive. They were. They were. Expensive. And for a 13 year old, like that's, that could have gone a long way. That could have bought a lot of McDonald's, a lot of monsters. Yep. 
So sad. But, I took the software approach because I had a custom firmware system. So I remember I traded one of my friends for a battery. I traded like some games I had for because his he completely obliterated his PSP. So I traded him a memory stick and a was it? it was a memory stick and his battery for Resident Evil Zero on GameCube and another GameCube game. And then I just end up flashing the battery. That's not bad because even the memory sticks were quite pricey. Yeah, and it was just a 512 megabyte stick, and I'm like, this is just going to be a magic memory stick. That's it. I do want to make one quick comment. Uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, so forgive me, but Xeet? Xeet? Yeah. Xeet? Uh, I do have a Pokemon Go wrist thingy here. It is my Pokemon Go Plus. Um, I wear it at work. I sit on a Pokestop, and so I just... Nice. Uh, I collect items all day. It's pretty nice. <laughs> But I've enjoyed it a lot. There is a something called the is either the Gotcha or the Gotcha that's actually made by Detel. Have you heard of this? I think you told me a little bit about it, but go ahead explain to the masses yep. here. It's it actually emulates Pokemon Go Plus, which I love. You know, Detel always pushes the boundaries with their products. It's like the most legitimate like modding, not modding tools out there. Uh and basically, it emulates Pokemon Go Plus and auto-catches and auto-spins Pokestops for you without having to click a button. So I might be investing in that. Neat. That'd be a th- neat thing to check out. I, um, I don't have Go installed on anything right now. I still, I still play. No I've definitely... Bad. Yep, I've got all the legendaries right now. I'm, I'm all stacked up and doing the raids. In fact... <laughs> Been using Discord for the organizing the raids. Uh, I mean, I've I've gone I've gone raiding with Devin. It is pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's blast, man. It's it's been really fun. But I, I at the same time, I don't blame you for not having it uh, installed, especially since you still have a rooted phone, don't you? Yeah, I just I just don't want to go through the effort of you know bypassing all that stuff, especially for something I just really don't play. Um, for a while, I had a iPhone that I had uh, a completely stock iPhone that I had Pokemon Go installed on that I could play at any time and. Probably for the year, maybe I had the iPhone. Um, I played Pokemon Go two or three times. Yeah, I've gone through, you know, ups and downs with playing it, and uh, I definitely have a lot of issues with it. Still, it's by no means a quality game. I've actually said this, especially recently, that is the buggiest piece of software I've ever wanted to use. <laughs> um, so there's that, but. It's still, it's got its grips on me, man. It's, it's rough. I just completed my North American and Japanese first gen Pokedex. Nice. So that, is, have... that is really good. Right. So my trip to Japan was really nice. I got my Farfetch'd. Um, so now I need to get to Europe and Australia. But, um, there is a couple more questions here. Um, sure. I know. Father Fingling not... says. Go ahead. Are you looking at that one? Uh, no, I, I saw it before. Did I take that? Uh, so did you hear about the WebKit exploit on PS3 targeted at you? I'm not familiar with this, but do you know? Uh, very basic at this point, yeah. I actually I just found out from uh, Grimdo, who he just left here, but uh, I found out from him last night. He uploaded a quick video about it. And yeah, it is working up until the latest official firmware on PS3. It's 4.81. And it works very similar to PS4 Playground, except a lot less functionality. Like, you could do some memory dumps and such, but 
you're not going to be like at this point in time right now while we're recording this was just this is august 23rd 2017 you can't just go to a website and jailbreak your system or start running a crazy amount of arbitrary code or start modding your games just right off the bat um i think this is awesome i think it kicks ass that we have this ported over because it's essentially the same exploit that's been ported over uh but i said the most important thing is right now we just have the right people looking at the ps3 and i think an awesome end goal would be if we can utilize this to somehow either jailbreak the system or to just get it modified or running mods in some way that doesn't require us to take apart the system find a specific system that is on a low enough you know min version where you'd have to hook it up to an e3 flasher and downgrade it back to 3.55 manually right yeah i'm all for continuing scenes it's great to see that there's still a lot of attention going on the ps3 mm -hmm. yeah i also there's two vita things i'll knock out here um one was mentioned you know uh yifen lu i believe that's how you say his name uh it's not really a question but uh the ps vita 3 3g to micro sd card adapter i actually did back this it was like 20 bucks or something. I end up backing it. And mine is also on the way as well, too. Uh, for 3G models of the PS Vita, if it is uh, modified within Kaku, you can actually take it apart, swap out the 3G model module for this thing, and pop in a SD card on there to use it as extra storage. Uh, but someone was also asking if we had used um, the SD2 Vita boards. Um, Devin, I'm going to answer no for you because you don't have a Vita. Um, uh, I haven't. I mean soon i will um i actually ordered the separate parts and i'm going to be building some boards on my own um just because i thought that'd be slightly cheaper but also more fun nice yeah you have to let me know how that goes yeah uh, it, but no, i do not have a video yeah they're cool systems I, I definitely enjoy them but for me it equated out to about a dollar 56 cents per board um really you just you you get the boards printed you get the um the micro SD adapter right there, and then you just solder them together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you have to let me know how that goes. Um, definitely, I'd really love to see that become, you know, more of a thing because those proprietary memory formats are just, ah, man. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's still good to have your original Vita um, memory card. Uh, but yeah, no, now what you can do is you can have just a four gigabyte memory card on there, which you can get for cheap enough. Uh, just have four gigabyte memory card, keep it on there for the base stuff, and then you can get like a 64 or 128 gigabyte micro SD card and just fill it with all the stuff you want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, be fun times. Oh boy, I think we're good at this point. Are you seeing anything else you want to answer here? No, I mean, I think we did a pretty good job. It looks like we wrapped up just about everything. Yeah. And we were aiming for about an hour and a half time frame here. So um, we're, I, I think we could aim for that, you know, really in the future as well, too, like hour and a half, two hours, which we've kind of been gauging. Um, but I think that think that'll be, you know, a pretty appropriate running time for the podcast. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this feels, feels great. I don't feel like we rushed and we got some, you know, community feedback here, which is always nice. Absolutely. So anyways, everyone, thank you so much for listening, watching, interacting. It's been 
very much appreciated. If you're watching the pre-recorded version of this or the post-live version, you know, go ahead, drop a comment, let us know what you thought on it. We do value that feedback and everything. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you know, our social media is down below in the description on YouTube. Um, and if you're listening to this, of course, thank you for listening. And you can check everything out on the YouTube channel as well, too. Uh, I'm your host, Mr. Mario 2011. You can find me on YouTube and pretty much just look me up and you'll find me most places. So send me a tweet of a fox or something like that and I'll I'll enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm Devin, Paranoid Coder. You can find me on Twitter, uh, just Paranoid Coder, one word. I'm also in the Discord, uh, the Mr. Mario Discord, which is, uh, I haven't been in there too much, but you can definitely get a hold of me and I'm hoping to be around some more. But Twitter is definitely a really good place to reach me if you uh, feel so inclined. Yes, follow Devin on Twitter. He's, he's a good guy on Twitter. Thank you. No problem. All right. Anyways, this is uh, Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you for watching, everyone. Very much appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you all in the next episode of Mod Chat. Peace.